0: Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch The Terrible Taste of Failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper with me as always. Joe Hilliard. Dave Gurney. And we have uh, the pleasure of having a guest. It's very rare on the show uh, that we do that, Uh, but we have Emily Suggs with us here today tell us all about you tell or tell the uh, tell the listeners we all you know are familiar already but
1: oh yes thanks buddies for having me over um back in town after four years away and so happy to be here i love corpus
0: yeah so do we we want to pull the microphone just a little bit closer to you too just to make sure that absolutely we all sound sound great
2: that's right we strive for it emily is on our (laughs) discord chat and yes. she said, "I'm coming back to town. Y'all want anything from California?" And the answer, of course, was yes. So expect Always. some bounty from California, <laughs> hand muled from Emily in the upcoming weeks.
0: <laughs> yes, very directly imported, dropped right into our laps. Uh, uh, you know, on this on this end of the Zoom call that we're on right now, we tend to do David the the courtesy of waiting to drink delicious beer that he can't get on his own. Right. Uh, Uh, we wait for him instead of while David opens in front of him so that David opens
2: up this main bounty with two middle fingers right up into the into the camera.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a it's kind of like a soup Nazi situation. Well, no no beer for you.
2: I brought a beer and it is uh, perfectly paired with the film we'll be discussing today. This is Hop and Sting Brewing Company. It's the first time we've ever had them, everybody. They're out of Grapevine, Texas, which is up near Dallas Galactic. Hayes IPA. It's a Belgian style white IPA, which is a wit beer with um, they say a fruit forward hop aroma. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And it's a galactic tie in here. If that tips our hand a little bit.
0: Yeah. And for anyone that's read the episode title probably has a hunch of what's going on. Joe got straight. I mean, a a vigorous pour. If I have ever seen one, I'm Uh, thirsty.
3: Would you call it a gurney pour? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I tend to go pretty hard. You really took
0: it to another level with that one almost. All right. It all stayed in the glass David. It did, it did. We kept it under control. David, what do you got? I know it's something.
3: Well, st- staying true to form here with uh with my extended stay in Maine this summer, I'm I'm going to another classic Maine brewery in this case, uh Allegash. And oh. what I'm having because hey, look, I'm pretty excited when a summer blockbuster comes along that is presenting me with something original rather than just like another installment of a franchise. So in honor of the summer blockbuster, I'm probably most excited about all this summer. I am drinking their seconds to summer lager, uh, which is a 4.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, Crisp, golden, refreshing is how they describe it. They say if the sun is out and your schedule is clear, this easy drinking lager is for you. They brew it with traditional hops from the Czech Republic and ferment it with Belgian yeast for a crisp, refreshingly hoppy flavor. With this can in hand, summer is just a sip away. And I'm going to crack it open, guys. I'm excited.
0: Now, now, can you say the name one more time? Second, second to, Seconds
3: summer. to summer.
0: Second Seconds. to summer. Now. When you drink this beer, do you typically listen to five seconds of summer while doing it? Is that kind of the? I
3: kind of know that reference, but that that's like a more recent uh, rock band of some sort.
0: As it's yeah, it's kind of like a a Zoomer thing. They're like even newer than like One Direction.
3: Okay, okay, yeah, no, I I I vaguely know the name, but
0: my my trade is the only reason that I have Just... any fucking. Idea.
2: This is our second foray into Allegash. You have to go all the way back to episode thirteen, damn, to see the first one. Well, so, it's the, okay, dish the deets. It's their FV thirteen.
3: Ooh yeah, which was, was a fun the, one.
2: Uh, Kind of American wild ale, yeah, eight point nine percent. We drank it when we watched Mission Impossible Six. And I I failed to mention the ABV of this Galactic Haze IPA from Hop and Sting. It's a 7.2, Carlos. So, Emily, you were excited to talk about this movie that we're going to be talking about today. Tell us a little bit about your history with Jordan Peele. Oh, big spoiler.
1: Well, well, um, of course, I saw Keith Peele and thought he was hilarious. And when Get Out came out, I didn't really understand that that was him I it didn't really uh, it didn't really connect for a half second and then I realized like that's going to be pretty funny whatever it is (laughs) and which it was which it was (laughs) it, it was the kind of thriller that I really enjoy where there is some sharp wit to it yeah like truly funny not just a jump scare ha ha ha
0: but yeah. funny. we hate a jump scare here on beer in a movie. It's the lowest form of fright, I feel. <laughs> yeah. um, but David, do you want to break into what we're talking about a little bit? So, give us a quick synopsis so we can, I feel like we're all eager to get into it. So, Nope. Let, <laughs>
3: well, <clears throat> yeah, actually I'll do it. No, <laughs> um, we, we, Folks, we're talking about Nope this week. As, as I said, my most anticipated summer blockbuster, uh, this is the third film as writer director Uh, Coming from Jordan Peele, as Emily said, uh, you know, his his breakout uh, first film in those roles was Get Out and it floored most of the viewing public um, in part because, yes, it did have humor, but it was also doing some very dark things and there was horror in there and social Mm -hmm. commentary. So he's kind of established himself as that. This film is perhaps another uh, installment in that uh, in the sense that it is. Uh, flirting with elements of horror. We can talk about whether or not this actually qualifies as a true horror film uh, as we as we go on. It certainly qualifies as a science fiction film with the basic premise being that you have two siblings, a brother and sister, O.J. Haywood, played by Daniel Kaluuya, and Emerald Haywood, uh, sometimes goes by M, played by Kiki Palmer. I think I pronounced that correctly. And they have a horse ranch slash business where they are animal trainers horse trainers who bring horses to movie sets they've taken it over from their father um who who you know spoiler it happens very early in the film dies uh, very early in the film played by keith david great to see him show up uh love to see that um and uh but but when he's gone they're left to kind of (sighs) get this struggling business going. And then these strange things start happening around their ranch in this area of California known as Agua Dulce. Um, they also get involved with a small kind of uh, rinky-dink uh, Western amusement park that is run and seems owned by a former child star played by Steven Yen, uh, who we all remember and love. From Minari, right, Joe, yeah. and <laughs> um, and and he has some interest in this uh, strange phenomena that's going on in the skies uh, over this area of the California desert. So uh, the you know the siblings see it as an opportunity to maybe help themselves in their business and 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 their financial prospects. As does uh, Yen in his character, Jupe is is the character's name, Ricky Jup Park. Um, And uh, we we get to see it play out over the course of this film.
0: And then you've got Angel, the Fry's electronics guy that kind of uh, creeps his way into the fold by maybe breaking some rules slash laws and looking at the cameras that he has installed. And just so we can get some of the kind of like David and Carlos nerd them out of the way. I mean, there's we got a Jesus lizard shirt in there. Yeah. Uh, an earth shirt got an earth shirt thank you i thought I, I thought i might be the only person that clocked the earth shirt and then there the, there's like a record where the cover is like uh just like a kind of ghastly looking face by a band called exuma uh that's i mean that one is a deep cut uh, yeah especially for just the average like block, summer blockbuster audience uh so you know peel getting some of his kind of nerd nerddom out into the these little you know, Easter egg kind of things for those of us that that are into those types of
2: get out. Of course, came out before we convened and began the podcast. It was episode thirty three where we did us, which we were all really excited about, Mm -hmm. and I think all generally disappointed by David. David, I I think you were the most. I mean, look, (laughs) it's, it's, it's he's on brand uh <laughs> the most enthusiastic about it but use the opportunity to go back and talk about get out so this rounds out his entire filmography yeah. we have seen and discussed them all after tonight i think though that as much as us was a disappointment i was really excited about this one i really was curious to see what jordan peele would do as a follow-up to what i would call his sophomore slump
1: i would too because i just was not excited about us um, after I saw it. I, okay. I was
0: going to ask if it was no, before not saw a fan. it. Okay. I wasn't. But you were excited. He had a movie coming
1: out. Right? I was indeed. Okay. And because get out was so amazing, but yeah. his sophomore effort was not as great in my opinion. I didn't get out of it. What I felt like other people got out of it. Yeah. But I was excited for this because I'm always willing to give that second chance, that third chance. Yeah. like and, and it did look, I mean, how can you go wrong with, daniel kalua and um Uh, kiki palmer Palmer. yeah Yeah. i I thought it was gonna be really good
0: um yeah i mean i was talking to my buddy chris about this and uh he was also lukewarm on us and i was like oh you're gonna go see nope this weekend he was like oh i don't know i i want to see it but i don't know if i'm gonna race out i wasn't a huge fan of us and i was like i mean but come on like i mean even if us wasn't good even if it was a failure he's still like batting He's still batting 500, which is like all-star level batting average if you're playing baseball, <laughs> you know, like it's still a, a decent track record for someone that he's made two films. One of them was amazing. One of them could have been better.
2: Well, I'm going to say up top, I think he's batting 666 now. I mean, this movie. You're all in on this movie. Yeah, I am. Uh, let's start with the look of it. Uh, it's, well, yeah, you know, shot on look at it on I, the, the taglines. See it on the biggest screen you can. Yeah. And certainly. Uh, The film is beautiful Uh, cinematography wise. uh, I think pacing wise, it's interesting. Uh, A lot of the alien action for this family occurs in the first half of the film at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And those night scenes, I don't even know how he did it. I don't know how they lit, how they lit that. I don't know how they did it. Um, It's gorgeous. And that form that we don't quite see darting in and out of the clouds, using those clouds as cover, for the sake of their own stealthness, but for the sake of the audience reveal a lot of jaws in there. We don't quite see what the threat is. And then when we do see what the threat is, we believe it's a UFO because it's shaped like a UFO. It Mm -hmm. acts like a UFO. And then we learn that it's not a UFO the organism itself is this flying object. Yeah. And once we are in the daylight and it's the light of day and we get to see this thing and all of its form and that huge screen as the tableau for the for the action, man, it was just stunning to look at, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I went and saw it in IMAX this morning. Uh, David, did you see it on a proper IMAX screen or did you see it on an inferior IMAX screen like I did?
3: I. <laughs> <laughs> i saw it on a screen not purporting to have any relationship to imax so no i yeah
0: yeah i i agree with you about the, about the look and everything although i will say imax theaters will too loud it's just doing too much uh but to w- what david was saying earlier about like this is a sci-fi movie uh is it a horror movie or you know that's something to debate it's kind of a kaiju movie any i mean it gets there i mean that's yeah well yeah i mean all of them do i mean they yeah, I feel I, that's that's the once you
2: learn it. what the identity of the creature is and yeah, you're I, I could see uh, yeah, that being very mothra the case. Vibes, yeah mothra you're right the sure end.
0: it's I, I don't I don't know that I fully I fully digested this one yet and I'm gonna be really eager to hear here's my prediction. If what- you
2: saw it this morning, I agree with you. This movie stuck with me and took me two or three days to kind of get my head fully around. If you saw it this morning, yeah, you're a little behind the ball, buddy.
0: I did. Well, it, you know, it was a busy week slash weekend. Um, but he- here's my prediction for what's about to take place on this. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be slightly lukewarm about it. I definitely it's not that I didn't like it. I just don't know how much I liked it yet. David's going to mount a really eloquent, just rousing defense of this movie and how great it is. And then eventually, I'm going to be like, you know what, David? I think you might have
1: convinced me that I like this
0: movie more than I thought I did. I think.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I have a question that, but I mean, what are the parameters that we judge by? Is the first question because if you're judging by everything else that's in the theaters right this minute or in the past? couple of months, then this probably wins hands down. I would if agree we're, with that. If we're judging all sci-fi over all time, yeah, then it's gonna come somewhere in the above B, average B plus range.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that too. So I,
1: it just kind of depends on what the parameters are because are we judging him by his own track record? Are we judging him by current movies?
0: Yeah. I mean I think I've I've said this. Uh, this is uh, an an Amy Nicholson quote. She's a critic, but uh, I've said it before on this podcast. You can really only judge a film by its own ambitions, and mm-hmm. I think that's the part where I'm a little uncertain because. And uh, this is this is I'll, I'll just say flat out this is unfair. But it uh, we do expect this kind of like we do. Th- think of Jordan peele as a as an artist with something to say. Right. And I guess like as I'm watching this, I'm blown away by the cinematography. Uh even though he like kind of zapped all of the charisma out of Daniel kaluuya I still think he finds a way to be charismatic in his own kind of muted, like hush kind of way. Uh you can tell that Jordan peele's a comedy writer by the straight man versus like the just you know Akiki Palmer being the big one in uh a Daniel Julio being this you know a playing the straight man that's like a classic dynamic and we see it played out here very well. Uh the score is great. Uh, I think some of the supporting characters are good. Um if not like great performance wise. But I guess the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what are we getting at here? Like what is the overarching kind of like theme or is there a commentary here? And like maybe I shouldn't go into his movies thinking that there's going to be
2: some big, like, I think he's on brand as delivering that. I mean, I just don't know if I really
0: got that out of this. I had a great, well,
2: I think it's there, but let's give it to professor eloquent.
0: Well, no, I, I, David, I, I, I think that there is something there and, and I'll say this one last thing and then I'll, I'll give it over to you. Is that, is that I think, I think you have to work kind of hard to get to it. And, You know, there are some uh, there are some movies like last week with Crimes of the Future, where that movie asks a lot of questions about a lot of different things. And it's not necessarily focused on one particular commentary, but that movie also never intends nor even attempts to answer any of those questions. And then you have a film like Black Phone, which we talked a while back, that has a lot of loose ends that are never wrapped up. But the difference in in that type of kind of. uh, inconclusive i guess maybe is is the best word i can think of right now kind of storytelling is that it does give you that gratifying end where like you know your protagonist triumphs and you know whatever um and i'm and this one this one was kind of you know it it did have a somewhat happy ending i suppose but i just i don't know i just never really found my footing and i was like are we talking about like uh, uh morbid curiosity leading you down a path. They're like, uh, the quest for fame and attention at all. I mean, you know, I'm just like, try, I'm just really trying to find that through line in there. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting close, but I just, I keep hitting like the back of the rim and I never get that
3: swoosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think, you know, the happy ending of the TMZ reporter dying is absolutely a, a cherry on the top. No, I mean that, that is a fun little moment, but, um, no, I, I have no hatred of, of TMZ like that. But I'm actually, you know, Carlos, I may be a little bit off from your prediction in the sense that I think, like you, I just saw this last night, um, like you, I'm still wrestling with this film to some extent. I Where I differ from you is that I don't think it's lacking in its attempt to wrestle with some really interesting questions and to bring in some pretty deep, um, themes and, and, in terms of it's going, I mean, this is his film that is most obsessed with filmmaking. I mean, this is like, there's almost like a Hitchcockian or, uh, you know, kind of, uh, this, this sort of suspense aspect where, you know, I I kept thinking of things like rear window. It's about trying to capture this thing and looking at things through lenses and what does read and what doesn't read. Um, all the different cameras they try and go through all the different setups. I kind of love that stuff. That that was a lot of fun to to see them go through gradually. That, um, but and 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 obviously, I think what you were saying about you know the the seeking of fame, fortune, public spectacle, all those kind of things kind of play out in various ways um, th- throughout the film. The thing that I I think kept me away from the film, you mentioned one, Daniel Kaluuya, who I think does a great job with an underwritten character. I think there should have been more provided to us as a backstory to kind of understand. Because I understand that he's sort of disaffected and detached, but is that because did he have a rough relationship with his father? It didn't seem like it in that one scene. Does he feel like he's not living up to the standards set by his father? Does he not? Like, I didn't understand what that kind of despondency was coming from. And it didn't allow me to connect with the character in the way that I wanted to. Kiki Palmer, on the other hand, I thought was hilarious and fun. And I totally got why I'd want to hang with her and want to see her survive and, and her win. Um, but I also kind of felt that way about the Stephen Young character, where I was given just a glimpse at this character, and I wanted to understand. They give us this really interesting backstory for that character, right? We we haven't even talked about the chimpanzee element, other than Joe, maybe that uh David. That backstory is
2: fascinating and it's where my head continues to go that and the final battle sequence because you're in the trying, air
0: because you're trying to figure out what relevancy the chimp story had to
3: any of the, uh, I rest I of think, the well that's that's it i that's think that's part of it relevancy okay go on well, David. no i think there is a relevancy because you know think about it the big scene that we really get with um, yeah, and other than when he is doing the uh, the show for the people at his theme park is that scene where he's talking to the Haywoods in his office, and you know, the topic of his experience with you know that there he was on this sitcom, what was it, Gordy's home, right? Yeah. Um oh, Gordy's oh. home. And there's this notorious incident that took place. This is a fictional sitcom, it didn't really exist, but you know, in this world of the story. The sitcom was on in the 90s. He was a child actor. And one day taping the show, something set the chimpanzee off. A balloon exploded. The chimpanzee gets set off and starts mauling the the cast of the show. But not him. He's, He's able to escape it. But he's not. He doesn't talk about it. We only know it through these flashbacks that we see how devastatingly gruesome and violent this this act was very interestingly filmed right yes. um mostly from his perspective as a child and yet the way he presents it to them is as this kind of like oh it was nothing you know blah 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 and really what you need to see is the snl sketch based on it and he goes through all the casts that were involved in the snl sketch and, dah, 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 and how this and And he's clearly using it to like sort of put himself out there in terms of it's his claim to fame, I have to imagine. Now, we never see a scene, but I imagine at the theme park, people are constantly coming up to, what was it like when Gordy went crazy on set? But there's this really kind of interesting thing going on there that I would love to explore a little more. But then, like Joe, I'm kind of feeling like the fact that it doesn't telegraph easily, why it's there and what we should be thinking, and the more I've thought about it since it really does have this interesting sort of connection where you're using this thing that can't consent to be part of this spectacle, this TV show, and it doesn't do exactly what you want it to because it's its own living thing. It has its own ideas, its own thoughts, feelings, blah, blah, blah. And so eventually it backfires on you, right? And it and, and it ends up taking it apart, but you're still seeking that fame and fortune despite that and willing to taunt some other living being that you have no idea about to be able to do, which is what he's doing with his stage show, you know, the, the performance he's doing at the park. So there's something there going on about this he grew relationship. Up, he grew up to make the same mistake twice.
2: Mm. I think it trusts I mean, me because yeah. we learned that he's been feeding the alien horses for six months while this set is being constructed for him to put on a show where right. he, Interacts with an alien, so I mean, if it works, he's going to be very, very wealthy.
1: Well, right. I have a lot of I have a a lot of thoughts about this entire yeah. entire thread of of Ricky Duke Park and how it ties into them seeing the alien the way that they see the alien. There's something to be said about the way that we live right now, and how none of it is real. I mean, think about it. I have not seen you three in person in four years. Well, with the exception of you, David, briefly, mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple months ago, but mm-hmm. but we've had nice little conversations, haven't we? On yeah. Discord and um, Messenger, mm-hmm. etc. That's not a real friendship. We're all living online we're all watching and consuming media online the siblings oj and emerald like the first thing that they think of when they see this is let's get it on video
0: let's get the oprah shot yeah
1: yeah Yeah. we have to we have to show other people and no one's going to come here anymore the way that they flocked to roswell Mm -hmm. i mean i assume people do still flock to roswell but um, um And then same thing with Jupiter's claim. Ricky needs to show people the spectacle, but he's got to get them in there. He can't, he doesn't exist anymore because he's a child actor. He's a former child star. Mm -hmm. He doesn't exist anymore unless he can do something truly spectacular. And, I mean I'm I'm having a lot of thoughts they're very muddled so I don't have any concrete point here but I do think that that is a huge theme carlos to try and hit the nail w- with my hammer to say this is what I think jordan peel is trying to say is mm. something about reality and how we consume how how we live
2: well it is the desire of every single character that we spend a a good amount of time with is to for the sake of the cinematographer that they enlist on trying to get the shot to get the perfect shot the fries uh salesperson help us get this on video use your technical expert expertise to get it on video so that we can all become famous Right. And, you know, and and so with that sitcom, we'll all be famous. We'll all be entertaining America. Oh, and by the way, this monkey, if it decides to, can kill most of us, you know, before it it gets dispatched.
1: Oh, and by the way, so can the alien.
2: Well, so (laughs) the alien accidentally on purpose. But, I mean, that alien is going to have the advantage, but we don't care because look at this beautiful arena that we've built in order to put it on display.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, David, your uh, point about using this thing that can't consent being the monkeys that play Georgie, and then later... Gordy. Yeah, Gordy, sorry. Uh, and then later, the alien and the star lasso experience, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Something like uh, that, yeah. is, It makes me think that he makes me think more that he's like it's like a critique of, like, the paparazzi and, like, taking i mean he puts the tmz person in there for a reason right you know like Mm -hmm. calls out tmz i mean he could have just been like they could have just said reporter or like whatever yeah right which then which then makes me feel like it's incredibly self-indulgent and like in that like uh list of movies that's like or or content i guess whether it's a movie or music or stand-up where it's like about rich people problems that i could give a fuck about at that point um but i but i don't know if that's what it is either but that's immediately what i thought and i was like oh i could see like like this interpretation of this makes sense to me do i want it to be about that No, not really because then it makes it not very interesting to me but (laughs) i think i don't know i i liked it i didn't love it i had fun it's like a cool sci-fi monster movie but i just don't think that it adds up to a whole lot more than that mm-hmm. it doesn't make it a failure or anything it just
2: i had, I had a lot of fun too I, I mean for original content written you know for us and that we're not it's not yeah. the 17th in a franchise yeah for that i enjoyed it i also want to point out the scene where he is in the barn and the aliens uh are in the barn with him smart scene and you It turns out that they're kids in alien from Jupiter's. What's it called? It's 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 the the park kids. But in that moment, it's done so, so well. It made me think of signs when you see the alien Mm -hmm. on the television. It's done so, so well. The light, he turns off the light. The light turns back on. There's a shadow creeping around that Mm -hmm. looks alien in form. And the audience, I saw in a full house the audience was tangibly freaked out at that moment (laughs) and you know it it, there's a nice punchline, no pun intended Ah, pun intended (laughs) yeah
0: you know take take them right um yeah i don't know I, i will say the first thing i thought about like my first thought when the credits started rolling was like hey man he gave us and it's an it's an original blockbuster like yeah Everybody should go see it, if not just for that sole reason, you know? uh, Yeah. um, Because, yeah, we need more stuff that we haven't seen before. Yeah.
3: You know, I I think to to go to some of the things that I wasn't as excited about, I mean, I thought personally, and also based on, like, the conversation I had after with, with a few people who I went with, um, I think the pacing is a little strange, especially for the first two thirds of the film L- slow. I mean, f- especially for a sci-fi summer blockbuster. I think it, I'm surprised it's doing as well as it is with like audience scores and reaction. I'm glad it is. I, I I think, but to me, it felt like, wow, this is paced more like a, I don't know, like a David Cronenberg film than it is a, you know get'em out. I mean, get out has a pretty kind of standard sort of narrative rhythm to it, I feel like, where I, I, I never questioned for a moment, okay, will an audience stick with this? There were moments in this film where I felt like, okay, this is dragging a little bit. I'm not like, well, I, I, I need some some new information. I need something new to happen here that's gonna push things along. Um, and also I think given that it spends so much, it opens with that a flashback to the Gordy's home um, or whatever that, that sitcom was called. Um, And then goes back to it and and how that at best is kind of playing as this kind of allegorical thing that that's gonna deepen our understanding of what's going on in the present with this alien and how people are relating to it. I think that's a big stretch for for a lot of viewers. I I have to think. So I I I feel like this is the sort of film that I'm glad it was made. And I think I'm gonna like it even more the next time I see it. But I would not be surprised if a lot of audience members struggle with it at least the first time through and and don't feel satisfied by it because it has this kind of different pacing to it.
0: Yeah. And uh, one thing I almost forgot until, uh, I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score because your mention of audience scores made me think, Oh, I wonder what other people are thinking about this. I do think that this is a movie and I, and so I think our pairing for today works out really well, uh, As as it turns out, I think I think Jordan Peele was really trying to show us like what he could do as a filmmaker. You know, this was his like. Look at me, I got this, you know, like
3: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm more than just like, you know, the Comedy Central guy or the social commentary guy like I am a tour director. Look at all the tricks and
1: and And the tricks
2: were on display.
0: They were. I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, I mean, the first thing that I think I said was that it looks great. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, stunning. I enjoyed,
2: I enjoyed the tricks. It's interesting. I think I might, of the three of us, and we'll get Emily's take. I think I liked it the most. It seems that way. What do you think, overall?
1: I think it's hard to compare Get Out and Nope, because they're such different movies. No doubt. I like sure. them both so very much, but overall palatability and i mean get out is not summer fun no <laughs> <laughs> with oh, a, yeah. well, well you know, it, it has you a, a lot to say it leaves you with a particular taste yeah. in your mouth yeah. you know and, Yeah,
2: get out has a lot to say yeah. and when carlos asked earlier mm-hmm. I, i'm not sure if i know what nope was trying to say right yeah. get out certainly
1: i mean i think and does a
2: great job saying it, in my opinion
1: i think that nope is um summer fun yeah it's good summer fun at on the surface, which is where 60 to 75% of viewers are going to mm-hmm. leave it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. So on a scale of galaxy quest to 2001, a space odyssey, where does this rank? As well as sci-fi
2: movies <laughs> oh, is that your spectrum <laughs>
0: indicators? A <laughs> I mean, galaxy quest has its own stuff going on and yeah. it's, it's worthwhile in its own right. But I mean, if we're talking Absolutely. like we're talking like all time sci-fi movies, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I it's think tough. The B to B plus rating is like a pretty solid I, yeah, assessment I of think,
2: it. Yeah, Emily, you said it well at the beginning. I mean, if you're putting this on on a on a level, if, you, if you're comparing this to the notion of like recent releases, it's exceptional. Of course, uh, popcorn yeah. releases. If you're looking at classic classic sci-fi it doesn't fare quite as well as maybe another film that we'll talk about today maybe <laughs> it,
0: it's it's sitting next to it's sitting next to prometheus for me and i I've never it, seen I, yes. and i hold prometheus in high regard never uh, seen prometheus so i'd say it's just it's just hovering right under that
2: i think we flirted um, with doing a prometheus dive and that would be my occasion to see it for the first time yeah it's i think prometheus is really good well yeah. don't
1: take my b 2 b plus as gospel because sci-fi is not my preferred genre were i to mm. walk into what's your preferred video. genre <laughs> what's that? What's your
2: preferred genre blockbuster video
1: <laughs> i probably like um drama historical drama okay so yeah. i will go a little nutty um you know i will go um i will go to like the cronenbergs and things but uh, i yeah. i don't really i don't really veer off too deep into the sci-fi so don't take my word for it but um but i do Boast the you know the I have viewed everything I'm supposed to have viewed in sci-fi. You know, like <laughs> I don't have any deficits in so terms huge of, holes. What you've yeah. never seen? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not huge holes exactly. Well, and I think
3: you know t- to that end, like this is a high. We said like there's there are elements of horror in here. Um, you know, I said we could debate that. I I do think this qualifies as having enough elements of horror. I think that barn scene with, with the kids kind of both plays into it and then kind of makes fun of the idea of this being a, wh- a horror film. And they're inside the thing. Yeah, no, there's a moment there, but the, though I would, how did you feel about that? Actually, that's like, so, I mean, that adds to it for me.
2: Yeah. Claustrophobic, I claustrophobic. am
0: like,
3: well, I,
2: the, the alien will eat a horse or the alien might grab a human. Right. But, or many. What the alien got to do at the grand opening of Jupiter's claim was eat the entire audience. Yeah, all in one which was a pretty small audience, but still was. But um, it's like forty people they say. At but some point. then after, yeah. I guess after it digested cuz that's how Keith David dies we should say like he di- he doesn't digest the metal keys and coins so spits right. yeah. them out poops them out on top of a house and now you got these like high trajectory pieces of steel shrapnel coming down and that'll kill a person mm-hmm. uh, it goes into he, your eye yeah, but sure. clearly it also the, yeah. the, the, yeah. uh, the cuz it just it, it it covered the house in the blood of the people that it had eaten at the.
0: Do you think that he wanted to name this movie "Don't Look Up" and then got beaten to
2: the punch? <laughs> Adam McKay. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what you What did you think, Carlos, of this uh, Galactic Haze IPA? Perfect pairing name-wise from Hop and Sting. Seven point two. A, a white IPA. Yeah, that's an interesting classification.
0: I I I don't know that haze needs to be in the name if you're gonna. I mean, because that's not really what it is. It's not a hazy IPA. It, it, is it? Is it opaque and, and, and color short? But that's not really what that is.
2: So I like, went to one of our uh, beer places, liquor stores in town, about an hour and a half before the episode, looking for alien adjacent beers. And this liquor store has got one of those coolers, right? You've seen these. It's a, I have not, no. It's a vat of water that's super cooled and if you put your beer in there it says in 9 minutes it'll be refrigerator cold mm. i had it in there for 12 minutes then drove over here beyond. for about 12 minutes took me at 12 minutes to get here this beer's not cold enough for me to properly enjoy it which is mm. not the beer's fault uh i think that if this was a little colder i would enjoy it a lot more but i'm enjoying it it's it's one of those um uh, it's a hop bomb. It's very, very malty. I'm, I'm enjoying the flavor of this very much. I think that the wit beer, the white beer, uh, gets to tone that down, balances it out. But I don't know if I gave it a proper tasting. I'm going to recommend it if you have a hop and sting at a grapevine in a store near you. Look for this Galactic Haze IPA. Well, are you as enthusiastic as I am? Well, I personally
0: am not as perturbed by the serving temperature. The temperature. Um, but I will say, I feel similarly about this beer that I did about the film. It's, it's good. <laughs> people, should, <laughs> people should drink it. If you know, if you're into this kind of thing. Uh, do you need to, do you need to race out there? Is it going to be like a, a perennial, like all-star in the fridge, always stocked? Am I going to be like go- racing out to get my own six pack? Of this? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Is it bad mm-hmm. now?
2: The way that you galaxy quest, if we're gonna extend this analogy, I've got
0: the VHS, I've got the DVD, I got the Blu ray, I got the 4K, I got the, la- the steel book.
2: The last time I was in Maine, I went to the Allegash Brewery, and And it's a beautiful
3: brewery, and they make a great beer, and they've done it again with this uh seconds, seconds to summer lager. Um, this is my first time having it. I don't know for sure that this is the first year it's been released, but I was in Maine last summer and I don't remember seeing it. Um, it's certainly recent in the last few years that they've, they've put this out at least. Um, it was just as, as they described it on the can, crisp and refreshing. Um, I don't know if it was golden cause I was drinking it out of the can. I didn't have a glass to pour it in. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing a full review here. <laughs> sure. Um, but it, it was delicious. And I will say, you know, Allagash, they do mention that they're using Belgian yeast, but it must be a very um, clean lager yeast in the sense that I'm not getting a ton of like fruity notes there as you tend to get with with Belgian yeast. Um, and, and as I get in many Belgian ales coming from Allagash, that's really kind of their their house style is to go in ways inspired by the Belgians. Uh, but th- this one is just a straight, great, easy summer crusher, I think, and, uh, you know, pairs well with a summer blockbuster, I would say. I'd be happy to drink this in the theater while watching any popcorn flick, um, which I will just to reiterate, because I feel like it might have gotten covered there at the end with Joe's wrap up. I do like this film. I think Nope is, is a very good film. For me, Peel is batting a thousand. And um, Wild. Even even if this is maybe a, a little bit not, you know, in my rankings, I'd probably go get out this and then us. Um sure. it's it's still it's still a pretty tr- strong second. And I feel like one that's going to grow on me. I've I've I said it already. I'm gonna go back to this film later and I feel like I'll appreciate it even more.
0: I'm probably gonna go back and watch it this week because Kylie did not get to go see it with me. Mm-hmm. So next week, I'll have a follow-up. I'll have a I'll have a second review all right you know um on the
3: after hours
0: liked it you say definitively liked it oh yeah. I, yeah I
1: i in fact this is probably one of the first like grown-up movies that i think that i will probably take my 14 year old daughter to no, no problem. nice yeah no problem yeah i don't
0: see any I mean, no, what? It's only got an R rating because it says "fuck" a couple times, right? Like, I
1: think she's heard it, so I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I,
3: th- I think language and and the scene, the Gordy's home stuff. I think it is disturbing in a way. So that. Oh, but,
1: why but, did I forget about that? I may have to revisit <laughs> the idea.
3: <laughs> I'm I'm comfortable. I'm thinking about bringing my 12 year old olds.
1: All right. Well, then I don't. I feel was going to take you,
3: honey, but then I thought about it. Now I'm going to say nope Nope. (laughs) all right
0: well we are dipping our toes back into the uh the well pun intended because of the camera scene at the end of sci-fi um some would say all-time classics uh in the second half of the episode when we return here we go We're getting into it my favorite director <laughs> so, uh, but first as always glasses must be moistened David what do you am remember? I going
3: first with the beer
0: yeah I feel like we we slingshot it around the other way and this all right well
3: yeah let's start off with me so um no surprises here but I am throwing you a curve uh a new brewery for us uh another main brewery but uh this one we have not had on the show before this is battery steel brewing also out of portland maine and actually not all that far from where uh allagash is located you you could walk from one to the other um and this is their beer that they call curve thus the curve being thrown at us it is a double india pale ale it is 7.1%, which is kind of low for a double, which I'm happy about because I got 16 ounces of this that I'm going to drink myself. And I don't want to end up uh, blathering on like an idiot towards the end of this segment. So I think I'll be okay. I'm looking forward to this one from Battery Steel. I feel attacked by that statement w- w- because you like those high ABVs. It
0: was very targeted at, at, at my performance in the second half of it. So. <laughs>
3: Back in episode 30, we
2: did a little film called Lords of Chaos. Oh, yeah. And we drank alongside it the Apocalypse Black Label from Drake's Brewing out Mm. in San Leandro, California. You know a little bit about California, Emily. Mm -hmm. Do you know where that is? Mm. I have no idea where that is. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) Well, tonight we're going to enjoy their white label. This is the Apocalypse Hazy Double IPA uh massive amounts of american and new england hops have joined forces to bring about the apocalypse enjoy juicy notes of tangerine papaya peach and mango in every sip of this hazy double 8.4 david we're beating you on this side of the uh microphone well hopefully this is a little
0: more true to the hazy style uh than the last one we had not that i had any really anything wrong with the last one but it's just the false advertising you know how it goes uh All right, so we have. Let's just get straight into the movie. Please, Um, a little backstory for my relationship to this film, only because it kind of ties into Emily said in the first half. Is I watched this movie, not just sci-fi, like you said, you had seen all the sci-fi that you're supposed to have seen, right? Right. Right. But I I think the first time I, I think the first and only time I had seen this movie before this week. Was I was probably 18 or 19, and I was in that phase of like, okay, I've got to see all of the things that people talk about, right? So I was watching Godfather, I was doing Goodfellas, I was doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I was better doing, off dead, all the classics, uh, uh, better off. I actually still haven't seen that movie despite two, what it two dollars. Right now, uh, you know, seeing all of the kind of like classic, like big time top 50 American, you know, the what's it called? Um,
1: the AFI, uh,
0: thank you, the mm-hmm. AFI top 100 list kind of movies. Um, and this was one of those that I had never seen growing up, and I was like, Oh, I gotta see that. And so I watched it. Um, so it's kind of interesting coming back to it probably 10 years later, mm-hmm. if not maybe a little bit more, uh, and re- revisiting it for only the second time. Well, but
2: what movie are you talking about?
0: Talking about close encounters of the third kind. Um, it is a film about a guy named Roy, who's an electrician who uh sees this ufo i mean that's very clearly what it is um and all of a sudden his very quaint ordinary domestic suburban life gets kind of thrown upside down because he gets fixated on this like shape and his half his face is sunburned and he meets another lady that has like a similar kind of vibe going on uh and then that lady's son gets abducted and then they're on a cross-country trip to go see like what the is going on with this structure thing and then meanwhile you got bob balaban and francois touffon uh over there uh doing all sorts of secret
2: perfect pronunciation
0: i know thank you secret government fucking top classified document type shit and uh,
2: investigation into what's going on
0: yeah and You know, all of this opens up on, you know, a bunch of planes from 1945 that were reported missing that are in perfect condition in the Mexican desert. Uh, And a guy going like the sun came out at night, you know. Um, And so, yeah, there's there's UFOs about and everyone from the highest government officials to just your average everyday Midwestern electrician are trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, if they're tuned into that kind of thing directed by steven spielberg scored by john williams surprise to no one uh this movie came out in 1977 which if i'm not mistaken you year after jaws am i right about that uh, uh, a couple years uh, after.
3: two two right
0: after jaws I'm, I'm yeah you're right 1975 and then this is his follow-up to that. so uh his it looks like third proper feature if we're not counting tv movies because there's the Sugar Land Express in Sugar 1974. Land Express, yeah. um, And so, yeah, you know, very casual, creates the blockbuster two years earlier, completely changes American cinema, and then, okay, now we're going to do this. Here's this follow-up. Here's this follow-up. Um, and uh, just to kind of kick off the discussion, because I briefly mentioned it in the first half, talking about Jordan Peele being like, oh, look at what I can do, you know, blah, blah, blah. I felt this, I felt this movie was very much Steven Spielberg trying to prove something. He, he he feels like a director with something to prove in this movie to me uh in some of like the big wides especially once we get to devil's tower and some of the other kind of like effects driven stuff that's happening in it you know he he did this whole cute mechanical shark thing and now he's like trying to take it bigger and trying to uh as similarly to nope actually uh some of the nighttime vistas and the way they're lit and the, with the blue and orange lights and all this. I mean, it just seems like he's doing a lot Uh, and I, and I'm curious once we get into the discussion, if it's in service of anything worthwhile,
2: I'll back you up. It it is well-documented that Jaws and the notion I mentioned Jaws in the first half, we're not going to show you the threat. We're going to allude to the threat. It's clearly a threat but we're not going to show it to you until we show it to you. You're talking about Jaws. Yeah. And that was a function of requirement because the shooting was a fucking disaster. Yeah. I mean, because that, that mechanical shark was, yeah, the was mechanical tough. shark didn't work. Uh, shooting on water is always, you know, back in 75 or 73, probably 74, when they shot it is always going to be a iffy. So they stumbled into the success of Jaws. I'm not taking anything away from his um, direction and his filmmaking because I. My in-laws were watching jaws on AMC and I sat down on the couch and it took me 30, 35 minutes before I had to go and get back to my life. You know what I mean? It's a great movie here. He is, I think trying to prove something I'm going to eliminate those, you know, that disastrous filming and concentrate on sets and script. He wrote this uh, with a lot of other people that probably deserve a little bit of credit, um, including Paul Schrader. Um, Uh, is that a question or a statement? It's it's. <laughs> I think he wrote an early draft, and then no, Steven kidding. Spielberg. Uh,
0: yeah, you're right. He has four other uh, yeah uh, partners: so th- an uncredited Hal Barwood, yeah, an uncredited Jerry Belson, an uncredited John Hill, and an uncredited. It took Matt stabs Robinson. at it, but
2: I think that this is largely Steel- Spielberg's vision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. He's him saying, "I just made the most money ever mm-hmm. that a movie ever has." Now what's my follow up going to be? And I'm very fond of this picture.
1: Well, I love it just as much as everyone loves it. <laughs> I I think it's it's a classic, and it was probably, um, I mean, going down a different sci fi route. Two thousand one, the Space Odyssey, was a lot more um, a lot more creepy than this mm-hmm. one. It had some creepy parts, and I had kind of forgotten about. Like when um, the aliens come for Barry,
0: yeah. um, the
1: little, the baby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd have forgotten how scary that is and how wonderful yeah. Melinda Dillon is mm-hmm. as an actress um, at at playing this petrified mother, but... Um,
2: it was powerless mother. I'm sorry? the Powerless. Oh, absolutely. They're going to get yeah. that boy. Oh, yeah. That's she can't do anything want, about right? it.
1: Yeah. yeah, true. But the... It, this one was not as this was just not very scary. I know they had some, there were some creepy parts, but it wasn't as scary. I think as um, 2001 really scared me.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, this is a a classic. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to surprise anybody here with with uh, some kind of uh, hot uh, negative take on this film. Um, although I do have some interesting thoughts about how I feel watching it now versus how I felt when I was watching it as a kid. Um, But this was one, you know, it came a little too early for me to see when it was first released. Um, And then it was even re-released a few years later in a special edition around 1980, still too young. But I saw that version eventually on VHS in the 1980s after having seen E.T. And I think, I mean, honestly, Spielberg has to be one of the first auteurs that I was aware of, like before I ever knew that term, before I ever knew it, the idea of, It's a Steven Spielberg film, I think, was surrounding, uh, you know, E.T. and the Indiana Jones films and and eventually Jaws. And so seeing this, it was so much sort of built up in my mind as, oh, this is a guy who really makes great movies and I'm going to see this great movie. And as a kid, it was totally you know, exhilarating. It was a lot of fun, even watching it on a small screen uh, on VHS, which if I had to do it now, I'd probably be like gritting my teeth at how terrible the image quality was. But nonetheless, enjoyed it a lot then and thought of it as kind of a wacky story in, in a lot of ways, especially because it does focus so much on Roy, the Richard Dreyfus character, and him really kind of going nuts. You know, I mean, they've implanted this idea in his head, uh, the the extraterrestrials, these aliens, and he's just almost powerless to to avoid it. Like he just is drawn to it, even though he has these other sort of familial and uh, and and other responsibilities that he should be attending to. He just totally gives it up, and I think that's where you know watching it now as as a middle aged man with with adult responsibilities and children, I'm like my God, I can't imagine just leaving my kids, you know, like running away. And this, it, that hit me in a way that was different this time, rewatching it than I, than I remember it when I was younger. Surprised to know. And I'm
0: super lukewarm on this. I actually don't really care for it all that much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a coal where your heart is supposed to be. This movie is so good. It's fine. I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking about it, uh, I was, I was actually thinking about it as I was leaving the theater uh, from seeing Note and just thinking about like the movies we watched and their relationship to one another. And I started thinking about this one and
2: said, nope.
0: Well, it's just, I don't find it that interesting. I don't find, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like there's something about this like vague extraterrestrial threat that just kind of bothers me. Like, what are they doing? Like, why are they here? Why do they communicate in tones? Like that never kind of makes sense. Uh, 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 I, don't okay, know well, I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if it makes sense. They find shared- hey, Emily's got it. I just, they don't find find it shared- I just don't find, find it fulfilling.
1: Well, because so music is an emotional thing for us as humans yeah
2: but you think a record store owner would know that but it's also, but if, just a uh, transaction to me yeah good point, good point. it's all
0: cash. hard
1: cash please. capitalism baby but it's also a mathematical equation like every yeah. musical tone is a mathematical equation yeah and so and it's it's just like the repetitions of the you know the scales and stuff. Sure. so that's the way that that is the only way that we can communicate with that that makes for some reason that makes perfect sense to me
0: yeah so it's not as much that it doesn't make sense because i do like intellectually understand that but from like an emotional like my tie and investment into the film and its story i just didn't really like do a whole lot for me well i also Uh,
1: just finished uh, a few months ago a book um, by andy weir called project Hail mary okay which is he wrote the martian which of Mm. course was turned into the movie with Matt Damon. I really hope they turn project Hail Mary into a movie because I think you would, I think you'd dig it. I really do. Because it does sort of answer some of these, like why musical tones, you know, it answers some of these questions in Andy Weir's own scientific way. Yeah. Um,
0: But like, you know, the thing that was, that was like, the thing that struck me about this movie is I, I was thinking about it and when I, when I press play on the song Black Sabbath from the album Black Sabbath by the band Black Sabbath, which was released February 13th, 1970, I hear the opening, the rain, and that riff, and then Ozzy says, what is this that stands before me? And A, it's great. B, it's hard as fuck see it's so heavy and dark and it's a way that today in 2022 i still find satisfying and because of that it makes me think like if i went to the record store that day and bought this record and put it on having no pretext for like quote unquote heavy metal or had never heard anything this like ominous before in like contemporary like rock slash pop music my fucking head would explode, right? And I don't feel that way about this movie. I feel that way about 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think whenever I watch that now, it's like, this is still so interesting and so fulfilling from like a visual spectacle kind of angle that I couldn't even fathom seeing it when it was originally released. I can't imagine what the, like, (laughs) <laughs> it's almost, it almost feels like it would be a traumatic experience being like someone in the 60s just being like what you can do this like you know and how and how, how, how did this happen how this yeah. there's no way that this like, is it's real It's still you know? mind-blowing it's whereas still now, mind-blowing
1: whereas now I'm I'm like looking at all these houses and I'm like why is why are all these houses so dirty <laughs> that's all I, I was so distracted yeah. why are all the homes so filthy in this yeah. movie yeah
0: and and so like i don't feel that when i see this there's not really a character that i like emotionally connect with in in, in any way that is I, I just i didn't find myself rooting for anybody the vagueness of the so we weren't
2: rooting for the mom to get her boy back at the end and when the boy knew, comes back you knew. she and she cries and i cry and I, I didn't oh.
0: need I didn't need to have seen this film before to know that it was a foregone conclusion she's getting this.
3: David, do you have a like, soul, please I mean, weigh in? I well, I already said I like this film, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I find Carlos's critiques both very predictable and you know incredibly annoying because it, he <laughs> he doesn't have a, no. Um, listen, I I can I can understand. I mean, there's a subjective element to this. I think that. It's hard for me to separate this from that kind of moment when I initially saw it. If I was seeing it outside of me becoming aware of Steven Spielberg as this great director, would I think of it differently? Maybe. I like the fact that it takes this phenomenon that is sort of huge and mysterious and and potentially one of the biggest questions out there, you know, are we alone in the universe? Is there other intelligent life? that And sort of folds it into... Typical suburban life of the late 1970s in this way that feels very, you know, you were talking about the houses, Emily. I, I felt the same way. Like, watch it. Like, oh my god, I feel better about my own housekeeping now. That, like, I, <laughs> I'm not quite as cluttered as they are. I don't have everything on the
1: blown by this. <laughs> I definitely um,
3: thought, like. Th- there's
0: no way that I could just have that out in the middle of the living room. Like, there's no right. Way- <laughs> let me do that how is that letting
3: him do this <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> terry garr was very easy i love early terry Gar too I, th- I think she's super cute and th- always love seeing her pop up and stuff emily's already pointed out melinda Dillon. sadly i mean an incredible actress who i think had a much even a bigger career on the stage than she did maybe on film but i mean look right up through magnolia some of the best performances you're going to see uh supporting folks on the screen and I agree with Joe I think she works as the mother here I think her love for Barry is apparent and and his return I find emotionally fulfilling I, you know and and I think in terms of showing us just enough to blow our minds with with the spaceships and the mothership when that arrives and the aliens as they come out the way it was filmed I mean you you can read up on this like they tried some different approaches where I believe it was actually um they overexposed the film, but then processed it uh, in a way that t- to try to bring it out more. And when they did that, it was apparent that these were like rubber masks and it looked really stupid. but the the cinematographer wanted it sort of a, uh, you know, processed a certain way where it had more of a like mystery to it and they, they were kind of more cloaked in darkness and it works perfectly, I think. Still, it to me it doesn't come across as cheesy or, or gimmicky. And, and it's an iconic set of images that I think just for me, sort of defines the flying saucer movie of the 70s, 80s, right, right into the current day. I mean, I think it's still a touchstone for filmmakers who are doing this kind of sci-fi extraterrestrial thing.
2: Oh, I'm gonna say this film is, is excellent. Uh, one of my favorite Spielberg films, and a reminder that his early work is fantastic. His later work, Carlos, maybe the stuff that you grew up with. It being in the theater, not as much as this. I, I think the mystery of it. I think Francis Truffaut in a film is wonderful. Bob Balaban is amazing. Um, Love me some Balaban. Yeah, the 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 government's role in this movie, the way that they can stage the disaster to to clear out the population, I thought was fascinating. Um. The um, last act, though, the, when, when we, they make contact and they have set up this, the largest set that had ever been built up until that point to have what the government thought was just that initial first contact with the three ships, you know, where they connect mm-hmm. with the music and they bring in the light thing and the pianist, the, the synthesizer guy. And the idea that we're just two species that have never spoken to one another, really seeing if we can make contact and then it's done and they go, Oh, it's over. That was fantastic. Applause, applause, applause. Oh no, no, no. Here comes this ship that's larger than the, the, the mountain structure that rises up out of where it even can rise out of. And the, and then if you look at a little research into how they did the effects, um, You know, now we've seen Independence Day. Now we've seen Nope. Now we've seen what can be done with modern effects. But what they were doing back there was still land breaking, um, even in the wake of 2001, a space odyssey. Um, But that last sequence and how it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And then the, the, the door opens and the aliens come out. They pick Roy. Why they pick Roy and how they implanted in these people because Roy's obsession was shared by everyone. We just saw Roy's. But that whole helicopter full of people that were painting pictures of the Devil's Tower, I mean, they were all just as obsessed, but they were carted off. Roy got there. Now, the mother only wanted her son back, but he was looking for more, you know, mm-hmm. and they all the cosmonauts or astronauts are there. They just pick Roy, only Roy. And they take him into the ship. It's a it's a dreams sequence. It's 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 a fascinating, fantastic film.
1: <laughs> Did I hear? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that everyone else. Carlos likes puts her. his
2: prejudices on his sleeve, while saying, "I'm going to be the man that's not prejudiced
3: against anything." But, do you, do you just find Dreyfus non-compelling? I mean, is that is that well? Do you liked him in Jaws?
0: uh he i i don't I, he was not a standout for me in jaws no. i didn't really what i mean look the
3: fucking uh
0: yeah. it's those black guys like those oh, guys. Robert i mean that's, Shaw. I mean, that's the fuck. fucking guy in jaws that you remember i feel uh, uh, i thought the
2: three of them were fantastic and played off each other perfectly yeah, yeah.
0: and then who's the other guy what's his rider roy scheider oh, roy scheider yeah i feel like in that order, Robert Shaw. Roy Jaws
2: Shad. and sure. Close Encounters, when you watch them now, have got a mixture of new filmmaking and old filmmaking that is so interesting because there's so much old filmmaking in in Close Encounters. Um, from, from From hairstyles to... When I say old, I'm talking about a function of that 70s while trying everything they can to push forward the special effects. Because he had a dream team of special effects guys to make this thing and girls to make this movie um sure you would have had to but but it's not time let's see well no I was gonna say 2001 is is less timeless I'm sorry more timeless but but it's pretty dated with fashion and all too as well in the in the modern sequences but this is very 70s it
0: is very 70s look and my my biggest thing is that this I just the storytelling didn't compel me in oh, a significant way. What are you way. talking I mean,
2: about?
1: Well, I'm, d- I'm just the saying, mashed that's what potatoes
2: it is. and the. Uh, come on, all right. That's just what it is. I yeah. mean, I don't know. You I don't know. What to tell you. We'll argue later.
1: I mean, I, d- I I have a problem only because I don't care about Richard Dreyfus as much as I want to and as much mm. as nearly mm. meant to.
2: Oh, this I, character, you mean? Yes. Okay. Uh,
1: not Richard. Or Dreyfuss him as a himself. person. Yes. I think yes. him in
2: general. Mr. Holland's Mr. Holland's Opus. Fuck that guy.
1: I think I'm. No, just the 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 character. I am um, I'm, I'm, I don't like him as much as I think I'm supposed to. Yeah. And I say that having had that conscious thought as I was re-watching after it's been, it has to have been 20 years since I last sat down and watched it. So I watched it again a couple of nights ago. And I had the idea oh. at the time, I don't like him. And this is before... He ran off and kissed Melinda Dillon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, what about <laughs> Terry Gar? Yeah. And, and then, like, you know, just hits it off with the aliens. It's like, yeah, I'm peace out. Yeah. What? Okay,
0: fuck those kids. I
1: know. I mean, and I did actually read something just today or yesterday. Um, saying, that, um, Spielberg made that movie before he had a family. Mm-hmm. Never would have had. Richard Dreyfus yeah, leave his children the same thing. After, mm-hmm. yeah. after he had kids, and I having kids myself. I kind of agree. I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not your job. Get yeah. off, you know. Be <laughs> curious the rest of your life. Sorry, yeah. bye. Get off.
2: <laughs> but but there are Mars rover or Mars explorers that will leave this planet and leave their kids behind for the sake of the exploration.
3: Well, but, and but I don't even know. I mean. And I felt the same way, What, like I said, watching it again now as an older person with adult responsibility, blah, blah, blah. I have a different feeling about Roy as a character than I did when I was a kid. And I didn't question any of that stuff. Exactly. But that said, I, I think it kind of works in a way because it's it's not even something, I don't think it's him wanting to journey and discover. It's they've implanted something yeah. in him that makes him like totally compelled. Like you say, all these people drawing, and he just happens to be the one chosen. What their idea is, why they're doing that, I don't know. It's a mystery, but but it kind of just underscores the fact that this isn't something that he's even choosing to do. This is like something that's been imposed upon him, and he doesn't even have control over it right i mean he's it, right. it, it it was fun to watch some of those scenes where he's really fighting with himself he's trying to both say well i'll calm down and i'll do the right thing don't worry about it oh wait i'm gonna start throwing plants through my window right now and i'm gonna do you know it, it's it's an inner battle he's he's fighting there he he's compelled to do this thing that he knows he shouldn't be doing as france as france watch with says to the uh it's Why are we having such trouble with Truffaut? No, guys, no, it's in the back of the <laughs> Uh,
2: They were invited. You're sending away people that were invited to this event. Yeah. And Roy was invited to be. Yeah. And that's why I think they pluck him out of the crowd.
1: I that, agree. David. No, why he was
2: invited to know
1: he is. He is a, an entirely different person. You're right. And that is something I had not considered until just now. He is an entirely different person before. He's out there in his pickup truck next to the mailboxes entirely. Mm-hmm. Different. Playing he's with just the kids, a the toothpaste
2: on the face. Yeah, he's yeah. just
1: a nerd electrician playing trains right. with his son and bickering about movie or goofy golf. And then yeah. he is an entirely different person when he goes out on that ride. You're right. Who's yep. raised
0: this like monster that just bashes shit against other shit? That
2: was a little altmany with the uh, sound design there.
0: That I will say. I mean, to Spielberg's credit, that is probably some of the most stressed I've been watching a motion picture in quite some time. <laughs> he's I'm just hitting kidding. the fucking doll against the thing, oh, and then later, go, yeah. later, we are just close banging. to death. Banging piano keys, <laughs> and, and well, when he said you're close to death, I was like, "This long? It's taking you this long to say something." <laughs> you're just carrying on a normal conversation with. What, 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 what this is Doctor Spock
1: parenting. Like, let it play out. <laughs> it was it
0: was rough. Uh, that was a, that was a rough, a rough scene. For now me. I'm gonna
2: call the last <laughs> act of this film sci-fi pantheon.
0: So that's the thing is that once once they get to the devil's tower. It's, but then I'm, but it takes an hour and a half hour, 45 minutes for me to get like moderately interested in what's happening. Like before that, it's like, okay, yeah, fine. You know, whatever. But also whenever Terry guard leaves him, the entire neighborhood is outside. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I just, it's just, when just no was, internet. When that, that was, was the I, entertainment. I mean, look, I, I mean, I had a time with no internet, but I did have a portion of my childhood where internet was not as, it was up it's
2: almost as if it's not even there
0: i mean well if somebody wants to get on the phone what are you gonna do you know <laughs> uh and the, the neighborhood wasn't outside like that <laughs> i mean i don't know about y'all's childhood but we didn't all just stand on our front yards for no reason whatsoever <laughs> i just thought it just struck me as so odd a couple of people but entire families i don't know it's just interesting decision let's it talk, really nitpicky
2: let's about. talk real quick I got this on Amazon Prime 299. Did you watch the director? It cut? said it said I had two options when I looked at it. Close encounters of the third kind, okay. 1977, close encounters of the third of uh, the whatever it is, uh director's cut. I yeah. went with the first one. However, directors
0: cut. Yes. Okay. However,
2: once we had a conversation offline, yeah, I realized I got the special edition. There is a third one that says Close Encounters 1977 that is the original theatrical. But without going in and making sure I got the right one, had it said special edition, I would have gone to the, the, the theatrical. I think this film, alongside Blade Runner, we could probably go around the table, gets a confusing consumer thing going on because which one the, what are you supposed to watch? I enjoyed the special edition. It had a couple of extra scenes, including one that I know Spielberg's not very fond of: of Roy going into the ship and seeing what. So you
3: up. saw that version of it, okay? That
2: oh, yeah, that version, yeah.
3: See, I watched the director's cut, which does not include that, Spielberg and it confused had favorites. It confused me because it didn't have him going into the ship. And that that's where I was like, well, I swear there was a scene of him actually going into the ship. And I looked it up, and sure enough, the one that I saw on VHS in the '80s would have definitely been the special edition that included that footage. Ah, right?
1: uh, yes, you had those those that one block of time where that was the version. You could,
3: yeah, that's yeah. that
1: happens so often with so many movies. I mean, speaking of. Blockbuster earlier in the show, I did work there. <laughs>
2: <for> <laughs> yeah.
1: that's my claim to fame and a certain. How old were you? Group. Hold on,
2: let's go, let's go down. Hold on, yeah, let's save this for after hours. Oh yeah, I, we're gonna sure. we're gonna but
1: compare more stories. Plus, this happened with so many movies. Yeah. Uh, it's like when I was working, there there were all these different. Like you could um rent for a dollar more. You could rent. The extended version. or yeah. This is before DVDs yeah. mm-hmm. and so you had totally. to make a choice and you could, you know, rent the alternate endings and things like that mm. with the new releases. So yeah, you were there in that one block of time, David, where mm-hmm. that was the version available at the store or what mm-hmm. happened. So yeah, yep. really interesting that that's the version that you have in your mind.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I watched the normal one. The one I watched was 132 minutes long
3: yeah that's the theatrical original theatrical release yeah yeah yeah,
0: so i think i so we all three watched a different movie that's funny what what is what is the extra five minutes that you saw do you you have any idea I not
1: remember i was like i don't i don't disremember any of this Mm -hmm. i you know i i it It all all made sense to
2: uh, a famous uh ship went missing and it, it shows up in the Gobi Desert.
1: So I saw that.
0: You did see that? I saw that, but there's not like an explanation for
2: no, it. No, I They're thought you like, saw the oh, ship
1: the the ship. That was a special but, okay. edition,
2: edition. I thought. The, the one I read, there's, I saw three. Did you see him go into the ship? No. Okay, I, I saw that. We just saw the ship. Yeah, uh, I saw him go into the ship. Go into the mothership. Into the mother. Yeah, yeah I did not see that. And he looks up and
1: I did not there's see all the little tiny little ships. Right
2: tiny little things yeah. have collected up inside of it for it to go away yeah i don't think i saw and that then you one. see a bunch of the little alien guys like a, they call it the wall of aliens but
1: i oh, enjoyed this no you're right edition.
0: i did uh, yeah actually you're right i i guess i must have seen it says 21st anniversary re-release yeah uh, but
3: the other one what the fuck is going on here <laughs> uh and which one did you watch david This time I watched the director's cut, which is the longest version, but it does not include the interior spaceship, which which was
2: Spielberg, as I understand it, compromised with Columbia to get another million and a half dollars to do the special edition. But they said, we'll do that. But you have to show us inside the ship. Right. The campaign. But then when he got the director's cut availabilities, he took that out. He didn't. He never liked that.
0: How much? Right. How much money did you say?
2: A million and a half to do the special edition uh some additional shoots including that ship sequence and even more mashed potatoes he always wanted more mashed potatoes all right in today's money there you go that's so Um, much money um david i know that you talked about your beer first but i'm gonna go first now this all right lips by drake the hazy double ipa hop apocalypse this is apocalypse good advertising this is a lot of hops in the flavor of this uh, beer and i'm going to tell you if i know that going into it you know sometimes we'll say there's there's a picture of a peach on the can it doesn't taste like peaches the hops are in this this is good advertising and i'm going to enjoy this as a one-off at the Uh, 8.4 abv i don't know if this is going to be my go-to hazy every time i have it though because it's really hoppy
0: yeah, it's pretty happy. It is as advertised. It's not bad.
2: No, I'm not complaining about it's anything. So it's just not a go-to kind of enjoyable hazy.
0: No, I don't I mean the Hazy's
2: lost in the hops. Is your headline?
0: Uh maybe. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's in today's South Texas beer climate what we have available to us. It's going to be hard to usurp the houston haze you know like i feel like that's the go-to right like it's typically on a shelf more often than not it's fresh-ish and uh, that's probably what i'm gonna buy if that's what, what i'm in the mood for you know what i mean uh so is it is it gonna take that over and be my go-to you now? uh is will it be something that i go to at a, a gathering uh when it's put next to Michelob and
2: Tecate light. Yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Oh, me too, always. But this has enjoyed juicy notes of tangerine, papaya, peach, and mango. I'm tasting no fruit. This is all hops. Take another sip, Carlos. Tell me what you think. Hang in there, David. We'll get to you in a second. (laughs) Don't do that. Well, I'm just trying to get the air. (laughs) Tasting any fruit at all?
0: Not a ton. Yeah. Um, if Jaybird here he'd be like, you know, actually, I'm kind of getting. Yes. I well, I am getting a little, a little uh, the, the rind, essence of of peach, maybe. Okay. Maybe some tangerine rind as well, but yeah, not. I, I wouldn't say it's anything like fruity. Beating ahead
2: kind of that. An- annually, David Gurney travels to Maine for the sole purpose of trying to get Maine's brewery numbers up on our like spreadsheet and statistics. Yeah how did uh
0: that is the only reason he goes i know that yeah him. it's
2: the only reason how did <laughs> how how is your new your newest main beer treating you
3: uh, i am really enjoying this one um I, I know we haven't done battery steel on the show before but i have had a few of their beers in the past when i when i visited um and and this is uh you know right in line with all of those other great ones that i've had from them a like I said, a somewhat lower on the double IPA spectrum in terms of ABV. I'm happy with that because as I said, I'm drinking 16 ounces of it. Um, In looking into it a little bit, it uses alternative hot products, which I feel like I'm going to have to do more research on, uh, including Citra Incognito, which uh, it's a registered trademark. uh That this incognito thing. So I'm I'm going to have to read up on that, guys. I'm behind on my uh my hop knowledge.
0: Capitalism rears
3: its ugly head yet again. um it, It's uh anyway. So w- that remains to be seen. We'll have to do some hop what? knowledge. Well, it's working well, is what what I'm saying. Because definitely, you guys were or, or kind of going back and forth on how you felt the hops played into the the beer you were drinking. I, I think, think it's like a apocalypse yeah i th- I think they've done beautifully here. it's It's not you know, as you would expect, it's a new England IPA. it is it is not super bitter, but there's a lot of those interesting uh, fruity notes that you get with with certain hops. i I am getting a little bit of peach, maybe even a little bit of uh pineapple in there. It's uh, just well, lovely. i'm I'm enjoying this a lot.
2: I don't want to speak for Carlos, but I'll ask a question on both of our behalf.
3: Will you be bringing
2: something from the brewery
3: home? I will try to bring some battery steel back so that we can have it all together. Yeah.
2: Emily, we enjoyed having you here so
3: much.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun, guys. Are
2: you going to stick around for our after hours? I hope so. I sure could. Oh, we're going to talk about me, you working at Blockbuster and me working <laughs> at uh, Hollywood Video.
1: Oh, 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 I see. Right. Not the chain.
2: <laughs> this was a mom and pop shop at the, I'm, I might be a couple years older than you, but yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, you know, one of the things that we love about the show is that it, the conversation doesn't end when the episode ends. It continues online. Uh, all of your favorite social media platforms, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast dot com. Uh, just continues to be like our home base for all things Beer and a Movie. You can find a link to the Discord there where, uh, you know, we have the new episode discussion, but we're also talking about all sorts of other things at all times. It's kind of a free-for-all over there. It's a great time. Uh, you can find a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash and Movie Podcast. That's where you can financially support the show. Um, we do a bonus episode every single week. It's only $5 a month. So for $5, you get more often than not, four bonus episodes every single month, um, and we also uh, ask for your input from time to time on episode programming. What what should we pair with this movie? Uh, All horror October usually get you know, which is coming up here pretty quick. Actually, where the fuck is the year gone? Um, is, you get to help us program an entire episode for that. Uh, which is a great deal of fun. And you can also find a link on our website for our merch tpublic.com slash user slash beer and a movie uh, where you can get shirts, you can get sweaters, you can get stickers, you can get mugs, you can get all sorts of good shit over there. Um, so do that as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please rate, and subscribe. It helps us to manipulate the algorithm into doing what to do and putting us in front of more beer and movie loving podcast listeners out there. In the metaverse, I guess is what we're calling it now. Um this has been uh another out special, of this world, another special effects driven episode of beer in a movie.
3: Until next time. You know they're gonna bring us back for the sequel.